I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of the London Lyceum. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Stefaniak. And I'm your other host, Brandon Askew. And we're a podcast that's devoted to deep and clear thinking, and that often takes the form of uh, friendly conversations and debate with others that we interview. But on this particular monthly episode, it's short, 15 minutes or less, and we just kind of talk through some resources uh, that we think are useful for potentially getting you to think, or maybe good for pastoral ministry, or just good for your own enjoyment of of God himself. So it, it could be books, it could be journals. We might only mention a couple of resources. We might mention 10. Just kind of depends on the episodes. So for this one, I guess we can start off and I'll uh, start with a book that I'm almost done with. And it is Tyler Whitman's slightly revised dissertation and slightly expanded. Let me get the title right. It is God and Creation in the Theology of Thomas Aquinas and Karl Barth. And... I think it's it's a, it's a pretty useful introduction to thinking through the issues of who is God in himself, how is God related to the world, and what does that look like? Um, he doesn't do a ton of, you know, this is my opinion, let me give you a systematic treatment uh, of what's going on here. But what he does do is engage deeply both Aquinas and Bart. And yeah, I know there's a lot of books that have been going into those guys recently, but I mean, I think it's for good reason because they're both giant thinkers that have wrestled with the issues in ways that have forced others to think through them and think of new possibilities, new questions. So in that respect, I think it's a really helpful book and it seems like it's a hot topic of, you know, what does it mean that God is simple and yet he somehow relates and somehow decrees and, and all those issues. I think it, if nothing else, it'll help you, your brain start to think about the topic in, in new ways. So, I think it's a good recommended resource. It is pricey. So it's one of those you're going to have to either have a library that has it or, yeah, that's probably the only <laughs> option because uh, I don't imagine most people are going to want to drop a hundred bucks on it. But maybe, a, a, you know, a lot of these academic publishers drop a cheaper copy like a year or two after the hardback comes out and it's still like 40 bucks. But I mean, that's much more reasonable than <laughs> dropping a hundred on a book. Yeah. What you got, Brandon? Um, yeah, so not, not, not too long ago, I was exposed to, uh, the thought of Charles Taylor through some of, um, Carl Truman's writing. So I was uh, talking to somebody about, you know, Taylor's book, uh, A Secular Age. And he, th- this person that I was talking to told me that I needed to start with, uh, another book that, that is basically a book about how to read. Taylor's book, A Secular Age. So that book is uh, James K. Smith's How Not to Be Secular, Reading Charles Taylor. So this book is from 2014. It's pretty short. Um, it's about 150 pages or so. But I think the best thing for me to do is probably just to read the little blurb on Amazon to give you a taste of um, of what this book's about. But it says, um, How Not to Be Secular is what Jamie Smith calls your hitchhiker's guide to the present. And it's both a reading guide to Charles Taylor's monumental work, A Secular Age, and a philosophical guidance on how we might learn to live in our times. Taylor's landmark book, A Secular Age, from 2007, provides a monumental, incisive analysis of what it means to live in a post-Christian present, a pluralist world of competing beliefs and growing unbelief. Jamie Smith's book is a compact field guide to Taylor's insightful study of the secular, making that very significant but daunting work accessible to a wide array of readers. 
And then it, it goes on to say, even more though, Smith's book uh, is a practical, practical philosophical guidebook, a kind of how-to manual on how to live in our secular age. It ultimately offers us an adventure in self-understanding and maps out a way to get our bearing in today's secular culture, no matter who we are, whether believers or skeptics, devout or doubting, self-assured or puzzled and confused. This is a book for any thinking person to chew on. Uh, so I read this a few weeks ago, and um, I thought it was tremendously helpful. Even I haven't even cracked open Taylor's book, so I thought I'd read this first and then kind of have this um, to to use as a guide when I was at, going through Taylor's book. But I wanted to read this whole book first, and he gives you a glossary at the end of like terms you need to have a a definition for to even understand what Taylor means when he uses those words. Um, so I thought it was good. So I do want to uh, recommend that, and I don't know if I can recommend Taylor's book yet because I haven't started it, and that thing's like 800 pages. But uh, this book, even just by itself, is worth reading. So I believe in you. We'll we'll circle back once you finished it, you know, yeah. next year, 20, 2022 <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I know I've heard good things about the the book by Jamie Smith. A lot of a lot of good feedback on that. I've never actually read it myself, but. So yeah. I, I imagine your assessment is correct. So the only other one I really wanted to mention this time, I know last time I gave you a bunch of resources. So if you missed that episode, just scroll down in your little things, click it, listen to it. It's short. This one is older, but I think it's a good book to recommend and to say this will get you thinking on stuff. It's called Beyond the Control of God, Six Views on the Problem of God and Abstract Objects. So... I think this is a, you know, there's a lot of four, five, six view books out there. Uh, most of them are not overly helpful in my opinion, but I think this one's actually really, really, really good in thinking through the topic. So you've got chapters um, by, I, let's see, who who would you guys know? Greg Welty, you know, he, I think he's, he's pretty awesome. He's in here. Theistic conceptual realism, he defends. You've got William Lane Craig, who's defending an anti-Platonist, uh, version of God and abstract objects, because he's going to argue uh, if you affirm abstract objects of any sort, then uh, that's denying God's aseity, which I think is a really good, interesting argument. You've got modified theistic activism by Paul Gould and Richard Brian Davis, if you're familiar with them. You've got uh, two others that I don't think you're I mean, I, some of our listeners know who all these people are. Some of them have no idea. So I'm going to stop going over them all. But the idea <laughs> is just thinking through what does it mean for abstract objects to exist and for God to exist? How does God relate to them? So if, if there's a platonic realm or there's a universal that is, this is what goodness is, this is what um, beauty is, this is what truth is. If those somehow exist in some third realm outside of God, then does that compromise God's aseity, sovereignty, all those things, a creation out of nothing? And if it does, then how do we think about what we traditionally think of as universals? So there's different ways to think about it, where whether it's these are the ideas in God's mind or whether these are just identical to God's nature or however it works out. I think it's a really, really interesting discussion. And it's, I think this is a really, really great introduction. I just say that. I know I repeated myself, but whatever. <laughs> I think it's true. I think this is a book worth buying. It's it's affordable and it's got some really great resources in it. So I, I commend that to you. Uh, yeah, I hadn't actually 
uh, planned on bringing this up, but you mentioned Welty. And so the Two Age Cerner podcast is doing apparently, I don't know how many part series on his paper on baptism. I listened to the first part and there's been four parts released, but uh, I think the title of the paper is a critique of paedo baptism. If you just Google that, I'm sure it'll come up. That's a really good, uh, if you're a Baptist or I guess if you're a paedo Baptist, you might want to read it. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a good, a good, uh, a good, maybe I just called it a book, but it's an article, um, not a long article on, um, on paedo baptism and why, uh, wealthy thinks that is a flawed uh, hermeneutical approach to uh, for Pedro Baptist, but anyhow, um, so and he went to Westminster, California. So, he did, you know, he's, and he, he's not he's not dumb. Yeah, and I think he wrote that um, immediately after his his time there, or maybe while he was there. So it's an older paper. Um, and the the last thing I wanted to mention is a little bit different. Um, so a while back, our friend Connor sent us a link to. And I'd never heard of this conference before he sent the link, but the Think 2020 conference, this is hosted by King's Church in London. That's uh, Andrew Wilson. I'm sure some people are familiar with him, but the, uh, the, the theme of and the, or the subject of the conference is knowing God, where evangelicals get the doctrine of God wrong and what to do about it. And the speaker is Carl Truman, but of course this is all done remotely. So it's just Truman sitting in his office doing like a zoom conference, but it's 12 hours uh, total. It's three different days. So there's three different videos and I've got about an hour and a half left, but it's really good. It's basically just Truman's, you know, pitch for classical theism. And he answers a lot of the, um, questions you would expect to get from a lay level, from a pastoral level and, you know, some academic level questions on, uh, objections to classical theism. So, and just the way Truman, uh, goes about it, I think is, is helpful. There's a lot of, uh, interaction with Moltmann and Balkum, and he uh, uses uh, Todd Billings as a defense of impassibility. And um, Billings has done some work on um, how divine impassibility has been something that he's held on to during his um, fight with cancer. So um, this is, uh, it, it was, like I said, I've listened to about 10 and a half hours out of the 12 hours and it's been really good. So um, it's something you can uh, throw on in the car or while you're, while you're working or something, um, maybe you can listen to it a little bit here and there, but it is quite long, but it's good. Good stuff. I mean, personally speaking, I, I love listening to Carl. I think he's one of the more engaging, yeah. fun people to listen to. So even if, you know, you don't end up agreeing with it, I think it's just enjoyable to listen to. And he, and he gives you a lot of nuggets that you don't normally think about. So yeah, uh, yep. I, I love listening to that. So that's all you got. Yep. Cool. That's all I got. So uh, for you guys who have been listening, uh, I guess one comment for you, uh, me and Brandon were talking about it. I don't, we don't often ask for people to go in and do drop like little reviews in iTunes or wherever you do it, but it, I think it does help us out. Uh, and it helps us for a couple of reasons. Number one, it, it makes the podcast more credible. So when we ask people to come on the show, uh, they can see that there is far more credibility behind the podcast. I mean, I think the guests are starting to speak for themselves. So, you know, I, we've got a list of people who are very credible who've been on the show, which is awesome. So at this point, I don't think it's as pressing to have reviews of the show to to show that there. But it does help that uh, for those who want to go look at it and say, oh, yeah, these people are legit. They're not just like just started or whatever. It's not like they don't know what they're talking about. Well, 
maybe we don't know what we're <laughs> talking about, but we can pretend we do. And I think the other reason it's helpful is because it gets our content more out there. I, I think our content is helping people. I think it helps people think. I mean, the whole point of the podcast was to help Baptists in particular and everybody else. I mean, we're not we're not just you know targeting Baptists, but I think Baptists have a unique problem with having deep and clear thinking, and that was really the goal of the podcast. So the more we can get our podcast out there. Uh, to other listeners, the more we're achieving our goal, which is what we want to do. So if you have, if you have five seconds, go in there, click five stars and, you know, and if up. you want to write out a review that could yeah. help us improve in certain areas or whatever, if there's things you think we can do differently or, or whatever else. I mean, if you, yeah, have if you don't the, like us, email us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't put that in public. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that's funny. Cool. Well, that's all I got for you. Um, You've been listening to the Only Analytic Baptist Saint Confessional Podcast, and we thank you for tuning in. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.